0: I think maybe that's why writing is my medium because it feels so final and yet you pick up a book at at different points in your life and it teaches you different things. Um, You know, words travel. They mean different things in different contexts. They mean different things in different time periods.
1: Hello and welcome to Tender Buttons a podcast chatting to artists and writers about their process and politics. With me, Jessica Andrews, and my co-host, Jack Young. If
2: you'd like to buy any of the books from today's episode, as a listener of the show, you can get a 10% discount by entering tender buttons at the StorySmith checkout. You can find them online at StorySmithBooks.com or visit them in person on North Street in Bedminster.
1: This week's guest is Lola Olufemi, a black feminist writer and researcher from London. Her work focuses on the uses of the feminist imagination and its relationship to cultural production, political demands, and futurity. She is the author of Feminism Interrupted, Disrupting Power, and Experiments in Imagining Otherwise. She is also a member of Bare Minimum, an interdisciplinary anti-work arts collective.
2: Lola Lafemi, welcome to Tender Buttons. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: And we were wondering if you could start with a reading from your experiments in imagining otherwise.
0: Okay, yes, I can. This is um, from a story called Red. One day, Raya was wonderstruck by the world she was building. Suddenly, colours were crisp and vibrant. She awoke without the familiar heaviness in her chest. It was as if she saw for the first time and in the connections forged with others, discovered that she could choose her relation to the world. She wondered if Ord felt the same. She wanted to bring her outside so she could witness. As they walked, glimpses of transformed holding centres and former prison sites convinced her that embers were a construction material. Rhea began to believe seriously that destruction could not last forever. They decided to walk for as long as their bodies allowed, exploring the state's ruins. Every empty home was revived terrain. The private had been made public and with it, every illusion of intramural living had disappeared. The clamps on their tongues fell away, no longer captive to hesitation or anxiety that caused their mouths to dry up. Aud and Rhea let go. They let go of the old world that had never really been a world at all. They gave in to the openness born around them. Finally, they could share, share their pain with others without fear of reprisal or humiliation. They moved across the city like feathers bursting into open air, light on their feet, landing soft but deliberate.
1: Thanks so much for that. I thought we would open um, by asking you, so your book, your most recent book, is titled Experiments in Imagining Otherwise. At the beginning of the first section, you gave a really interesting definition of what that otherwise is or what otherwise means and i wondered if you could just explain it for our listeners a little bit
0: i guess um for me the otherwise is a site or field of possibility and i think really what i wanted to do um with this book was to gesture at it to hint at it and not try and kind of capture it in its totality because by its very nature it is something that can't I think be rendered as a total thing in any form of art and so I was I wanted to be really clear to say I'm I don't want to be prescriptive with what the otherwise is I want it I want through the process of kind of collaboration with readers to try and I guess point us both in in the direction of what it is what it could be what it feels like that to me is more that was more exciting or more important than i guess giving a kind of standard definition
2: something that really struck me as well which feels like it links to that at one point you referenced Edward glissant's trace thought and it felt like i wondered if you could explain to listeners who might not have come across trace fort what it means to you because it felt like it points that experiments is kind of an experiment in trace thoughts
0: yeah i think a- an experiment i guess in attempting to make connections and uh, uh, like across kind of temporal regimes I, i'm really interested just generally in the work that i do in um relational processes and i think that that's what i guess art is really good at at pointing at feeling and so i guess with this book what i was trying to do was um i guess create to, to borrow from like raymond williams a structure of feeling that is emancipatory one that has like liberatory potential that might get us past um, the linguistic impasse that we find ourselves in when we think about the political moment, so much of this contemporary political moment is is defined by discourses and language about crisis and disaster, which we know have always been ongoing um but they they trap us we're always we we seem always to be on the back foot, we seem always to be losing, and so I wanted i guess to use trace thought and to use this method um of bringing. Um, fragments together of kind of trying to crack open time trying to like touch and taste possibility treating the imagination as this um tool that we might use to help us you know uh analyze and identify where our impetus to act and resist um comes from i wanted to yeah to to use it to i guess identi- use trace for to, to identify that ph- phenomena and try and render it for readers it, it's a strange thing because it what I'm describing feels intangible, but I know that I felt it and I know that others have felt it in moments of resistance. So like in moments like the strike, the sit-in, when we touch archival material or when we're moved by um, uh, any form of collective organizing or collective political demand. I think I'm really interested in what is that? What What is the name of that feeling? And how do we... Um, not bottle it, but how, how do we move it out of the realm of the subjective into, um, I guess the public, you know, how do we make, how, how might we treat that as if we could draw on it collectively and what would that do to our political demands? What would it do to our strategies? Um, and how would it help us think about, uh, what we are going to have to do in order to keep each other alive, in order to resist overlapping, you know, crisis, in order to um, build a more, uh, uh, to live in conditions that are more kind of livable, I guess.
2: Mm. I think as well, that's something with the form of experiments that really struck me is that it kind of has this tension between like a real intimacy of like processes being like put on page trace forts, as well as like having a scope that really like connects a lot, like is, Moving between temporalities or spaces, mm. and mm. it's quite multi-layered in that way. So I wondered about, like, how you went about kind of creating that form, or like what your process was in putting together experiments. Imagining otherwise.
0: Um, that's an excellent question. I, I think at some points I. I think at some point in the process of writing it, I realised that actually it doesn't have it didn't have to look like anything or it didn't have to have a structure or an order I think before I began I, I was thinking ironically about the end I was like well what will this book look like and I think it feels what, what's a joy is when people pick it up and they say well I didn't really get bits or it didn't really make sense I don't really understand what's happening there because that's very much how I felt when I was writing it 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 felt fragmentary, it felt like um, piecing together disparate ideas. There, there were pieces in there and um, stories. I, I, I knew, for example, that I wanted to anchor each section it split into 3 with a short story. That that to me felt like solid ground to begin to like you know ask a bunch of different um questions from. So I knew I wanted to do that and I knew I I wanted to like play around with form. I wanted there to be kind of prose poetry. I wanted there to be things that looked like poems but didn't really read like poems. That there was that element of the craft of it that um I was quite sure about, but everything else I was unsure about. And so it it comes together in a way I, I hope for the audience, audience. I hope for the reader, it's um, it's obvious that at some point I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was like trying to, I guess, like um, be light. I, I didn't want to be prescriptive, like I was saying before. And so I was like, okay, so if does this section work with this section? And if it doesn't, that's okay because the book in itself is already a kind of failure. And so to offer something up as a failure, I think frees you from um, the requirement that it is uh, good or solid or that there's a narrative that runs through it. I think it it just so happens that with like some good editing and um, with thinking about which pieces aligned with others, that there does seem to be some kind of through line. Or when I got to the end and reread it, I was like, Ah, oh, okay. I can see what I w- was doing, and sometimes it's only in only afterwards that you're able to see that, not whilst you're doing it. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um. I think I really appreciated the kind of collaborative aspect of it. So the spaces where you leave, um, like a gap for the reader to fill in their own thoughts, or you're very um like honest about your references and and the sources that you're kind of um, drawing your work from. And I guess I was wondering. Um, how that fits in the ideology around this book like the idea of collaboration and kind of like to imagine a different kind of world as a collective effort rather than something that one writer can do
0: yeah Mm -hmm. I think um this our kind of like neoliberal moment where we're for the purposes of that you know political structure whatever alienated from one another I think we're often encouraged not to think of ourselves as part of a collective and and the c- collaborative kind of um, element of it, experiments was an attempt I think to return to a playfulness that I um, remember in childhood which is you all play together, you write together, you um, th- th- like collaboration is not an effort when you're you're a child because everything requires everybody else you you rely on other people to feed you to clothe you um and so yeah i wanted to i wanted to try that out and i think for me the best some of the the books that have really um awakened me or made me sit up straight were books that didn't assume my own passivity as a reader and so i i i wanted to say that i wanted to make clear that I don't believe really in like the solitary writer. Like none of these the ideas in this book are mine or mine alone, and I have no attachment to defending them as mine. Um and so I guess I wanted an open invitation to share and to be told actually the 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 things that you've constructed are wrong, they're um they're not as expansive as you think they are or i have my own subjective experience that shapes how i relate to the to the, um the kind of experiments that you are laying out in, in front of us that's the nature of collaboration i think all of my work is always made better with the eyes of others um and in in as someone who does like organizing you you realize very quickly that there are skill sets that other people have that you don't and that we enrich each other um in coming together and and offering those freely and without possession and so I really wanted you know I I said before that the book was a failure it's like if this was truly a collaborative project it would be free you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be asking an audience for money in order to um have this thing that I have created so within like parameters or boundaries or like my you know um wanting to put something out there in, in, in this specific form, in the form of a book. Um, I knew what I, I I knew that at every turn I wanted there to be, I, I wanted there to be some sense of what do you think and what do we think together? Um, because yeah, also thinking about, you know, to go back to, to the problems we are facing, um, they 're multiple and overlapping and require a pr- like a plurality of strategies in order to deal with I, I'm, I'm someone who's whose politics has been formed at the access like at the axis I think of loads of radical political genealogies and what I loved about that moment of political consciousness was that I took from the marxists and the the feminists and the, the communists and the social reproduction like I, I I think of myself as someone who's very able to synthesize and so I wanted to to try and do
2: that I guess in in the literary arena there's two bits to this question I think one is like where language written language fits in to this project because there's I'm just going to quote one bit of experiments where you write language is good when we can use it to rouse shift understand what is happening to us as it happens but language is not a thing we can live on so that's like one thing I was thinking about like the possibilities and limits of language but then also just touching on what you just said there's also images that come up like the visual comes in terms of like, there's a bit about Olive Morris and other things like that. And I wondered whether, and it points the language kind of like stretches or there's a strike free or something like experiments with the language on the page and the sentence level. And I wondered whether having that like multi-layered multimedia effect on the page, like whether you're looking for something in the gaps between those forms, between the image, between the writing and yeah, where that took you to kind of have that collage effect.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's super. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Actually, I think maybe I you've you've identified another thing that I didn't realize I was trying to do, and until you just said it right now, I think I think that piece about Olive Morris, I'm like doing a PhD, and I, I'm thinking constantly about what when I uh, pick up a political pamphlet or when I see an image and I have an emotional response. Um, and I feel my own, um, the effective field in which I belong, uh, expand or stretch, I guess like, what, what is that? And, and there's, and that Olive Morris piece is an attempt to say, well, the image doesn't tell us everything. And the writing about the image doesn't tell us everything. So maybe a speculative approach might also add a new dimension or open up a new window or door. I think... A uh, kind of through line in this is that um there's there's uh, a moving away from or a distrust of totality and which is why i have I have such a strong critique of of history or of history as the linear movement of um, time and events from A to b because it seems to um, render us all in a story in which some are major characters, some are minor characters, and at any, like I say in the book, at any given time, history is being weaved, and so many of us are not part of that, um, that kind of grand narrative, and I guess on, on, in, in terms of what you were first saying about the limits of language, I think about, um, I was reading this uh, essay that June Jordan wrote about going to, um, Nicaragua, and she says this thing about, she says something like, you can spend, like, um, the, the nature of the United States is, is such that, you can waste all of your energy writing angry letters to um, the New York Times. But I had to, like, go to Nicaragua to, to remember that, like, writing back is, is not the same as fighting back. And I think that that's also something that infuses my approach to language, to understand that actually language is, you know, language is not it. I think there's, you know, a a, pop, a popular narrative maybe that we are transformed by, um, art and art has the the possibility to, to change the world and I don't really agree with that even though I, I understand the importance of um art in my own life for its ability to 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 move me um but it moves me for the purposes of action and it moves me towards um other people in order to for for, the, for not only um like survival but for in order to to create conditions against the conditions in which we live and so i wanted to say lang- here's here's what i can do in my personal capacity with language up until this limit where language stops and we have to start thinking you know strategically practically about what we're going to do what we're going to risk what actions we're going to take and for me when i say that action is not um it's not obviously there's there's a the the two kind of constitute each other it's not that i'm making a dividing line between culture and and politics because we know you know as like hall tells us and other people that that's kind of fake it's more that I, i have a real strong rejection of what i see as a liberal insistence or reliance on art in the face of practical action right like somebody who who writes a piece about the like strike or the riot but when it comes down to it won't join the strike or the riot right like that that to me is i think the the as as i guess a writer like the those two parts feel equally as strong and equally as important and often they've been locked they've been shut down by each other like the cultural arena tells you that there is only so much politics you can bring into this space and, and vice versa. And so, especially with something like the strike, I was again trying to capture the feeling of an experience that I've had and an and experience I hope to have again and one that I hope to facilitate to say the strike is not only that there's, a, there's potential there um, because it, it opens up a space for us to have transformative relations with each other that, that make us want to go on and do that again, that that provides some impetus for us to to understand um, uh, that we can um, resist and we can make demands beyond the given, beyond what we've told um, is what, beyond what we've been told is what is possible, essentially.
1: I, I feel really connected to the way that you sort of call for... Um feeling within the politics of your work like um to take kind of ideology away from sort of abstract theory and think about the way we feel in situations or kind of bringing our emotions and lived experience um to the kind of ideas that we're thinking about or the kinds of actions that we're doing Um, but there's also a, a quote towards the end of experiments and imagining otherwise um where you say getting further away from theoretical preposition does not automatically mean we get closer and closer to each other, which I thought was really, like, poignant. Um, And, yeah, I wondered if you could just explain that a little bit.
0: I think with that section I was trying to... I think that bit is kind of um, tongue-in-cheek in in a way. It's kind of, like, playful um, because I was thinking about those moments where... I don't know, maybe you go out with your friends and you're like, no politics today. <laughs> no, no politics, you know, at the dinner table. We're just going to dance. We're just going to, you know, there's something about um, the necessity of sometimes, um, un- unshackling feels like the wrong word, but like taking off, taking off the world, like a coat and like a jacket. Right. And that there is, there's a way that, people can fall into the trap of only doing that. And that's how we get a politics of like rest is rest is resistance and our existence is resistance, which I don't think is true and is not something I believe. But I think that that there is um you know in in the queer club, in the at the dinner table, at those moments that don't seem, you know, expressly um political there is some promise that when we take off this jacket, maybe I'll be able to see you properly. And that's that's a discourse that we see... Like, um, I think in culture as well, it's all this like, be kind, not everything is has to, you know, be about um, uh, politics, not everything has to be so didactic, which is something that that comes up again and again, in the way people have related to the things that I've written across my entire life. It's like, you have a strong belief in this thing and, and maybe show and don't tell and all of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm making an argument. And I think that if you can disagree with the argument, but I think we've gotten to a place culturally where we're afraid to make arguments. We're af- because that's seen as, you know, aggressive or it's seen as somehow uncouth and da-da-da-da. So that's kind of what I meant by, like, you know, taking off that theoretical jacket doesn't necessarily mean that we see each other in in new ways. Often, in, in I know in my own life, it's only been through the lens of... um cultivating and crafting a politics and a way of thinking um, about the world and how we live that I have been able to approach others. Uh, before I had that frame, I didn't understand what was happening. You know, it reminds me of th- that um, thing that Bell Hooks says about like coming to theory, like wanting to understand what was happening around and inside her. Like I didn't, I didn't get what was going on. And it was only through that lens of understanding myself as positioned within um you know a capitalist society etc cetera, etc cetera. um I, and, and positioned as a worker that i i understood oh okay i see how then relations are structured by this ordering and so the imperative becomes how do we undo the ordering how do we abolish it how do we and that goes for you know so many things borders police prisons etc that to me was i guess what i was trying to to hint at, at in the, in that section
2: I wonder as well, like, you know, the the bits of fiction that, um, as you say, like, kind of end each part of experiments. I wondered about the ordering of that and kind of, like, what those allowed you, which the bits which were more focused on theory or focused on, um, say, June Jordan, Olive Morris, kind of, like, historical figures. Like, what did the fiction allow you to do which those bits didn't?
0: I think they allowed me space to understand the limits of my own imagination i think with red i guess what i was trying to do the first story was maybe imagine some kind of dystopian is the wrong word what happens in what what happens in that space um what is like survival pending revolution with that story i, I wanted what's what's the in-between bit between the 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 moment of um, crisis and revolution and uprising that has happened and the thing that comes afterwards, which we're often promised is um, a kind of human flourishing. What is that? What's that sticky middle and in between? And I think that that's what, that I guess is what fiction allows. It allows you to, or at least in the way that I was doing it with these three um, experiments, if you will, it it allowed me to say, to, to to explore those in ways that didn't need to be anchored to a specific... Political ideology or genealogy that has its own order of things. It's like you know the Marxist Leninist will tell you that 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 um, revolution unfolds in this spe- specific um, direction under these specific conditions. And I I think what fr- fiction allows us f- allowed me was a kind of freeing uh, from, from 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 that I guess, which is you know restrictive, not restrictive in lots of senses, but I also think um, to go back to, to, to the last story about, um, the, the girl who wanted to be anything other than a bird or something, (laughs) something like that. Um, that I just was like, okay, what would it be like if people just turned into birds? Which is not an original thought, you know, Ursula Le Guin has asked the same question, like, it, but I was just like, it's fun to be like, okay, we're in, I, I don't know this, um, spatiotemporal temporal location in which okay people can turn into birds and what does that mean what does it mean to collectively resist um a, a destiny fiction allows for like a strong sense of metaphor that that lets you shroud and cover things and so explore it in a different way and with the with the middle story which i think is the one maybe that i liked the most or was so fun i got to think about what would time travel feel and look like you know and and what does it mean to contend with history um as a, as an object not just as a uh like a hegemonic thing that that permeates th- how we live right but as this this thing that this character is able to go into the past into the present into the future she can She can traverse and witness all of these historical events and and make her own mind up about the value of history in that way that 's why history in in the text is like written in in capital letters and bolded because it 's like I, i'm i 'm talking about the phenomena but I'm trying to I guess like materialize it so that the, this character can exist in relation to it and kind of trans like traverse the past present um, and future and make her own mind up about the value of history
2: yeah that also makes me reminds me of Edward Glisson again um, and I had a quote here from another thing I was reading which is taken from Poetics of Relation where he quotes about history being a space that keeps changing and in a time that constantly is being altered and that feels like a lot of what is going on yeah. in experiments yeah, too. yeah. like this kind of this fluidity or this process that is like constantly being reenchanted, reanimated, reenacted by those that are relating to each other. Yeah, I, guess.
0: I think, and I think that's what I value so much about Glissant's work is that he's bold in his in in his um, rendering of. Uh, something as big as history to this thing that constantly kind of evolves i I remember there 's also a quote quote where he says something like let 's go like boldly um towards that utopia that we need so much and that to me is like it's um it 's not only kind of rousing emotionally but it, uh, to me it 's like um it 's a brave uh political provocation as well it it 's also a Um, okay so let's what we we have identified what the structures are that are the structures of um, containment or comportment we 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 have identified what those are and how and how do we escape that by going boldly in a yeah in a different direction or thinking about time as as constantly fluid and changing and unfolding and I think for me a big principle that's important to me is flexibility is the ability to to kind of change one's mind, even which is ironic considering the fact that I just said that everyone has always called me so didactic. But I think within within that that space, the ability to to pick something, to pick an idea up and put it down, that's what I wanted this book to be in for the readers. I wanted them to to pick at it to say, okay, today I'll I'll contend with this thought or this thought, and for those thoughts not to to um necessarily have to be uh pulled out to their logical conclusions because they're not that I want them to feel like they can keep going right
1: I guess carrying on from that I think you speak so eloquently about time and kind of the idea of time being something cyclical and not necessarily linear or kind of like the myth of linear progress but at, at the same time I feel like the way that you write about history like even though you're sort of challenging a dominant narrative it it feels like very alive like there's a part where you say um telling the story of the past means telling the story of the future which contains the present which i thought was really interesting mm-hmm. um and i wondered if you could talk about that a little bit more like what it means for history to be something living that we're carrying inside of us as opposed to like uh, books and theories that are written by certain people and fixed at a certain point in time. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it comes back to for me what is um not capturable about um social life, right? And like even even something even something like the the archive that many people, you know, Hartman calls a, a, a tomb of state documents, many people have written about the kind of overlapping power structures and formations that create um, the archive, even with something like that there 's still a whole load of of discourses about kind of gaps and filling in the gaps and so so it it becomes obvious to anybody listening that that again there 's something there's not um uh, nothing about the way that we live can be captured or remembered in its totality, and so then history. The, the the i guess the task of history um expands a bit more or or i'm interested in kind of abandoning that project of like filling in those gaps in order to understand that yes history um lives within us but also that um when we engage with material from the past, we're already constructing a future, because that that past material has some, um, it has some impact on how we conceive of what's possible in the present moment. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to do with my obsession with the past, present and future to say, these are not distinct temporal regimes, number one, that they're, they're ways of of thinking about human life, that's fine. But they're, they're always lingering. They're always, uh, to think of them as neatly divided, I think is to, it's to do um, uh, a disservice to a radical tradition, which is always imploring us either to Think about where we came from in order to assess the present moment or think about what we want in that future that we prefigure via modes of rehearsal. So um, when we when we come together and, and make up um, a political demand, we are saying even as some, even uh, something as simple as when we say open, open the borders. what What we're prefiguring is a world in which borders do not exist, where we have, you know, free movement for the purpose of um of joy of resource of whatever um that to me like moments like that are real examples of how yeah these things are not kind of um neatly divided and and the thing that we call history or the thing that we understand as the legitimate authority that is history does us uh, does our lives a disservice but also is so limiting and so narrow to say your task is that of um if you if you belong to a quote unquote marginalized or oppressed history your task is only excavation of stories that haven't otherwise been told for the purposes of filling in those gaps, that's insulting. So this idea that, you know, those um, temporal regimes can be distinct um, in a world that is otherwise so chaotic is so funny to me that people think of the past as finished and people think of the future as always coming. And my experience, not to... There's a way that you can talk about this that makes it sound almost kind of supernatural and and the i guess the rationalist in me wants to reject that which is kind of weird but like i'm i'm always thinking about like when i go into the archive why does it feel why do i feel an echo why does why does it feel like the same political preoccupations recur but also that when when this pamphlet in front of me when i'm reading it, it feels like i wrote it or it feels like someone i know wrote it and and that's that to me is like a niggling feeling that I was also trying to unpick um, in the book as well
2: what you said about trying to capture the feeling of the strike or the feeling of these like very important moments that are occurring in the future present or like whatever tense we want to mm. frame it as and it felt like within the fictional moments that they were captured as if on the inside of history or like history unfolding even as it's happening. Mm-mm. And I wondered what that was like to write those bits because obviously writing is something that f- that can fix things in time to some degree. And I wondered how it was to to try and capture those kind of like revolutionary moments which may or may not become a shared history or whatever Mm-mm. it might be, but
0: So Red was a story that I had written before the book um was kind of put together and then the two other ones I wrote in the process of um um in writing the book as a whole and for me I think in answer to your question it's it's maybe best to like think about the third um story because that story was the one that unfolded itself in front of me more than I knew what I was Doing when I wrote it. Again it was only at the end that I was like ah okay, you're using this conceit you're using this idea of um, a, a, a group of people turning away from ancestral like lineage and history in order to show what the process of coming to believe is that another set of relations is possible looks like how does that begin what's the middle of that what's the end of that how does that feeling grow how does it spread and i think about that in relation again to um the the, the political moment we find ourselves in where there's, there's a stuckness The the the, the, the I guess, correct phrase is this idea that we live in a drawn out present. And what I'm really fascinated by is the idea that the present has always been drawn out regardless of w- which temporality we exist in. It's not the, th- that this this like stasis or this impasse that we find ourselves in is new. It's been escaped before and can be escaped again. Like, I, I think I say in one of the pieces, like time will come back around again. They'll say the same thing about us or will be historicized this moment will be historicized in a particular way, and so knowing that I think allows me to or I hope that it allows me not to fall into the trap of um pessimism is is not the word I'm looking for, but a defeatism like it it, it uh emboldens my political determination rather than being like well, the same things are reoccurring and that's depressing oh, we're always losing. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have capacious visions for how we would like the world to be. We're going to lose, you know, because that vision is, is, is threatening to many rungs of power. And so I'm really interested in this idea of like legacies and stuff because, um, my own political yearnings, are not dependent on whether I see the fruition of them in my lifetime. I understand that myself to be connected to other people that have like kind of struggled in a a land landscape or in a, yeah, in a a particular field. But to come back to the um, question about language, I think maybe that's why writing is my medium because it feels so final and yet you pick up a book at, at different points in your life and it teaches you different things. Um, you know, words travel. They mean different things in different contexts. They mean different things in different time periods. And so there still seems to be, even though the words are on the page and fixed on the page in a certain way, this ability to to um, consider them in different formations. And so it doesn't feel... it It, it felt fitting that these were stories because stories, you know they're flimsy you can you put them up put them down they they change they move they have a uh as you're saying a kind of like life of their own i guess
2: yeah it kind of feels as well about dialogic relation where it's mm. like you're going into archives and at points finding yourself feeling as if you're inside those histories the pamphlet that you might read or yeah be it yeah. olive morris or whoever but then at the same time you're then turning from that and there's kind of a yeah like a dialogic motion where it's then turning from that into fiction or like back towards that past in order to review it within this present that we're living in. And so, yeah. So then they become reanimated in that respect.
0: Yeah. And also I think dialogic is, um, is precisely is, is the correct word. If I, if I am to say I have a, like a creative process, I always hope that it's one of conversation. It's one of, um, a desire for an interlocutor, whether that be somebody in the past or somebody in the present or somebody in the future or whatever i think um, i I really value conversation because I think it's through it it's only as I said before through dialogic processes that i've come to have a sense of what my politics are, and i really value those moments whether it was the reading group whether it was like the speech or the reading or talking to people after an event that's that's how i learned and grew i wasn't i wasn't somebody who came to poli- politics in a solitary way and that to me is a, it seems is a feminist methodology as well
2: as as you understood that a lot of experiments was written during the pandemic was that mm. correct so I wondered what that was like because it's like this bridge like we've been talking about between the past, between imaginary futures, between future presents, whatever you want to call it. But then obviously the process of writing of it must have happened in quite solitary conditions compared to what we've been used to.
0: I think that um, in that moment what what me and my friends or the people that I think with, what we really... Faced and what most people faced was you know the the mass abandonment of people by a government who said some of you will i like I think for me the not the turning point, but a moment that I remember so clearly is when Boris Johnson went on television and he said, well, Some of you are going to die, and there's just not n- nothing we can do about that we're at a time where you know there were no precautions in place et etc et etc and having having that experience alone it you know in your family home whatever was terrifying for lots of people but i think my first instinct and all of the people that i know's first instinct was to to try and recreate those dialogic processes or to make spaces whether they were online or whatever where we could be with one another and so i started writing emails to people i started we we started like a a poetry like reading um group that we would do online which seems you know facile on the face of everything that was happening but we were also doing like you know mutual aid organizing all of that stuff um and yeah that that writing in um the pandemic gave me a taste of what this what the solitary writer looks like and i didn't like it and and you know like not only not only because it was done in 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 a, as a kind of luxury when you know people are dying when you know like that there, there's a there's a there's something very strange about being able to creatively produce or bake bread or like whatever when when such terrible things are happening outside and and that was not lost on me but I realized that what kind of writer I I wanted to be which is always in conversation with other people which means maybe the book wouldn't have been written I think I'm I'm very for people being like I had an idea but then I got distracted going to parties and sleeping with a million people and just having fun I'm like yeah that that is actually what you know life should be rather than this idea of the writer as, like, extracting themselves from relation in order to, in order that their creative vision come to fruition. And even though I was at home, I was at home in my family home, so lots of this was written where I was sitting next to my grandma while she was watching, like, true crime documentaries. So it was also, like, very, it it felt very, um collaborative in that sense because i was looking after her it wasn't that i was like locked away and i had to you know write this many words and that many words if that makes sense
1: as well about kind of art making and i guess like sort of the the mythos of like the solitary genius artist um i was also thinking about um you know what you were saying about cyclical time and kind of history moving in circles and things coming back around i think perhaps in our attitude to like art and art movements or literary movements there's often this feeling that like we're getting closer and closer to finding the truth you know as if art itself is a linear thing when perhaps like it's just lots of different interpretations of things across time
0: i think i'm i'm really settled with this idea that um I, I, I agree with that precisely because I know what, what feels true to me, what feels like the most critical and important um, way to understand what's happening is not true for others. And so, like, this idea of, like, universal truth or or even I find interesting this idea that we live in, like, a quote-unquote, un- like, um, post-truth age or whatever. The, the, the idea that there was ever... Um, a a set or agreed upon, you know, way of being. Every, everything is contested or everything at least feels as if it were capable of being contested in ways that are terrible and place people in danger, but in ways that, um, yeah, also that that seems to, um, I guess, be the order of things. And I think that the response to that is not necessarily to go back to an idea... Of like this, that this truth, you know, is in opposition to this truth. I, it reminds me of all of Lord's writing on difference and how unity n- needn't, you know, forsake difference and how difference in itself is can be a form of like power and stuff like that. And so, it I I guess just to follow on a, a thread that I'm having in in my head, I guess at this moment is that so much of people's despair in moments of crisis comes from what is the unified response where why aren't we all together doing x and i find that to be very interesting because even political movements that get historicized as unified something like oad for example or the Bricks and black women's group or like the the history of black feminist organizing in the uk in the uk if you speak to somebody who was organizing at that time they'll tell you there were a thousand million different groups doing exactly the same thing and at the time we were always saying why don't we link up why don't we link up why don't we link up so that so there has to be something in the fragmentary there has to be something in the idea that just because you cannot see one central body doing the work that doesn't mean the work isn't being done and and the task is to share skills and share resources in a way that enables um Uh, collectivity and collaboration, but not to get so bogged down with the idea that um, there can never be one central unifying force because even within that central unifying force, there are always dissenters. There, There is always fragmentation. And so I guess what I was trying to do with this um, book is also to to make an argument that fragmentation is also a kind of method and it's, it's a robust method right fragmentation doesn't n- doesn't need to recall ideas of like gaps or like not enough right we th- there's something more interesting in what a fragmentary um, approach might do
2: the idea of like a total call for a smooth kind of uh, unity undermines like our capacity for complexity and nuance as well yeah like the ability to balance that and those specific demands with something which can be strategically like unified at, at yeah. moments when it needs to be harnessed or yeah instrumentalized. i
0: think i think of all of the moments where um different groups with with completely different aims or you know political um orientations join together those to me are, are like really beautiful moments because they don't sacri- like they they join together for example, to support somebody um, who is looking for housing or to support the the um, sex workers who are occupying a church or to um, support somebody in um, uh, to stop them being evicted or de- um, deported or to, to set up a squat. And then they all kind of move in different directions. Like someone like o- Olive Morris was um, centrally involved, but also was on the periphery of lots of um, squatting movements in in um, at the at the times um that she was alive and kind of active um, but she's she 's never thought of as a squatter or as a communist or as aligned with those movements and so yeah, this idea that people solely belong to one specific genealogy it it, it's not satisfying for me i think
1: um i also wanted to touch on um your idea of re-enchantment um and what that means in relation to politics because it was something that i found quite heartening that you know when you suffer a defeat or when you're feeling despair i think the metaphor that you gave was um a cigarette out of a window um with a very clear sky and and kind of Mm. like how it's really important to keep wanting and keep yearning and keep imagining other worlds and finding a way to keep that spirit kind of alive
0: yeah I wrote I wrote that piece where we are going to lose after the um the election that shall not be named um and I remember like everyone does what that moment was like of seeing of knowing knowing that we'd been defeated knowing that I I even say we, but like knowing that the people who had staked the, the the people invested in parliamentary politics who had staked their vision for what this country or the quote unquote left should be like on that, knowing that they had been defeated, then the people that you know weren't so enthusiastic about some of the elements of of um, you know Corbyn's um, Labour government. Also feeling that defeat there were there were defeat the, uh, what I felt in that moment was that there were defeats on different registers. There were people who were so sure we were going to win people who were entirely ambivalent but secretly wanted it you know and and i I wrote that piece as a way to there there was a central moment in which i I was in a room with people and it in in the aftermath, and the way that people were talking was so interesting to me because it was as if politics had finished. it was as if that that was it, and for so many of us um, who will never be satisfied by the promise of parliamentary politics, for so many of us who long for something other than um, you know a state under a, a different name it it 's not that y- you elect a certain government and and the um the problem is finished. It's that you elect a certain government and it's easier to fight them. Or or maybe it's or the conditions are better so that your um, collective organising can be strengthened instead of surveilled, instead of disbanded, instead of um, having to deal with increased police powers. Do you get what I mean? And so in in that space of like, we are always going to lose. We're always going to be on the back foot because our visions are not encompassed by what is being offered to us. And so it's not it, it's incumbent on us that we don't act as if politics finishes when when uh we experience an an electoral defeat or or else so many so many people's lives are lived at the the whim and yeah are, are lived at the whim of um that kind of parliamentary politics and they don't have the luxury of a total belief that that solves problems so again what does it mean to move away from totality to understand yes of course we have been defeated and we need to like lick our wounds we need to rethink and we need to strategize but that that's that there was always something that was going to come after it's you know there there are always people i think Balance says something about like um even even those people that you would think of as defeated of are, are trying to find a way to like um make livable lives in unlivable conditions something like that and i and i think about that often it's like so many of us belong to the histories of the defeated so if politics ends at like an electoral defeat what are we supposed to do (laughs) die like it does it, it the logic just didn't make sense to me so and that's why i wrote that piece yeah
2: well it feels like a fitting place to finish would be to lean into political imaginaries beyond those kind of limits yeah and yeah I just wanted to say thanks so much for coming on Tender Buttons. It's been super inspiring chatting to you.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me both. It was such a lovely um, conversation. And thank you for your careful and considered questions as well. Really made me think about what I'd written, which is lovely. Thank you. I'm just going to end by reading a short piece from one of the short stories called She Kept Making Yesterday, Tomorrow. There are no spectators in the moment that may or may not become history. This she learnt quickly. If the bank was on fire or the prison or the state building, there was nothing to be done but become part of the mass, to feel the mass breathe, to respond to its needs, to bring the skills she'd learnt on Google to the front line. It occurred to her that she should move tentatively so as not to upset the edges of the temporal landscape and irrevocably change the present like they did in films. Fanta never allowed her heels to touch the ground, so that, returning from yesterday, she met tomorrow unchanged.
1: If you'd like to keep up to date with Tender Buttons, then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Story Smith Books on North Street in Bedminster, Bristol, and we'll put links to all our references on the episode page online.
2: We'd also like to thank Ben Vince for allowing us to use his music for our theme.